0: of Florida, come to Florida, man, it's 80 degrees every day. Every day it's 80 degrees. No, it's not. Sometimes it's 40 degrees with hurricanes. And you name them, and that's stupid. And why would you name a hurricane? If you going to name it, give it a real name. Let the people know there's danger coming. Like, hurricane, pack your shit up. That's a real hurricane. <laughs> I'm just saying, if Hurricane Packard shit-up's coming, I know that I need to be elsewhere. <laughs> if you drown with Hurricane Packard shit-up's coming, you're an idiot. You deserve to drown. I'm not sorry at all. Watch your CNN laughing. Ha <laughs> ha, get him, Hurricane, get him. I didn't know. I didn't know. How did you not know it's Hurricane Packard shit-up?
1: Well, welcome to the Check Drop. This is the second episode of uh, Summit Comedy Presents the Check Drop, and uh, our special guest, as you just uh, heard and saw, is uh, the hilarious Kevin Bozeman, and uh, we're going to bring him in right now. Mister Kevin, hey, quick question. You yes, have, sir. You have you have uh,
2: on hand so many videos of mine. Why <laughs> did you go all the way back to like two thousand seven? 2006. Is that is that really? You're like ah, you know, his best work is in the mid early 2000s. So I'm gonna go with that one. All
1: right, I will uh, answer that Uh, twofold. One is uh, I just love that joke, and you know, I uh, I've told you for years, I, I love that joke. It's timeless. It's just—it's uh, definitely one. It's uh, one of your greatest hits. I don't know if you still do it in your regular act or not, but uh, and uh, two uh, specifically for—I um, uh, feel like that is one that won't get yanked down off of the uh, off of the interwebs um, as far as copyright protection. Um, sure. I was gonna throw up one of your newer uh, dry bar sets that uh, are equally as amazing, but um, you know, you know, second episode in, I didn't feel like uh, something getting yanked down. You know, so I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking long term and professional. Okay. So that's uh, kind of why I went that yeah, route.
2: You, so. you do have a better filter than I do. A filter? Yes. Uh, as, you as have I'm a looking. better filter. Like you can fill You know, to think <laughs> ahead of stuff. Where I'm just like, well, just trust me. It'll work <laughs> out. Trust me. Hey, we we got we got to do the shot college showcase. What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. Just trust it, Chuck. It'll work <laughs> out.
1: How many times have you and I gotten in trouble by me uh listening to Trust Me Chuck? <laughs> Listen, I don't I
2: would well, I don't wait, rephrase that. How many
1: times have I gotten in trouble <laughs> with that phrase?
2: It's you got in trouble just because you knew that we get in trouble. That's what we do.
1: And that's, that's that is valid. But you know what? Um, out of all the times that you and I have hung out, um, I think only – I was trying to think of this today. There was one time that alcohol wasn't involved, and um, at least on your end. Um, at one time, you visited me at a brewery in um, in Chicago. I was in for – I guess it was about three or four years ago. For yeah, you were
2: going Met- to a concert.
1: Yeah, I went to go see Metallica uh, there, and it was uh, Father's yeah, Day I weekend. I
2: still don't know why you didn't invite me
1: to that. Um – yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I didn't think that was your jam. So, uh, and you it's did not, not. Pa- you did not participate in any um, alcohol that that day, which kind of surprised me. But you did stop by to visit, so that was. I that did. Was That's because
2: you were way out the way, and either I don't think I had a show going on, but you were further away than I was comfortable with driving home with. Because, as you know, I don't, I don't do one.
1: <laughs> one I don't
2: people should do one. I don't like those people. Well, I don't why I don't like those people that got that kind of self-restraint because it's just a little dig that they're better than me. And who likes <laughs> that? I don't. Yeah. Like, I'm cool. Hold on a second. I'm cool if people are better than me. I just don't like for them to show that they're better than me. Oh, I, I'm fully
1: aware of this. you <laughs> all got our strength and weaknesses, Chuck. Absolutely. And yours is in your left hand right now, I think. <laughs> Is it my uh, strength or my weakness? <laughs> hey, you pick. <laughs> so, so what's up with you these days, man? I uh, I I know you're doing a couple of different podcasts. Uh, you still doing the ball hog podcast?
2: Yeah, I just got back into it because I was like a sports podcast. Okay. You know it hasn't really been a lot of sports. <laughs> okay. And then I feel that I mean, it wasn't just sports. It was I, you know, I talk about gambling, I talk about social, political issues, but I was just like. You know, without sports as, like, the base, it was hard to get into it. But so much stuff is going on nowadays that I just started podcasting again because people were asking me, you know, when you going to bring the podcast back, you're going to bring it back. And then I have a section on my podcast called The Give and Go where people can uh, ask me questions. And then that started stockpiling. So I was like, all right, I'll bust, I'll dust it off for a little bit and see where it goes. Yeah, And then, uh, you know, I mean – I think it's still an adjustment, man. We're just adjusting. Like I, I haven't felt. I can tell you that I haven't felt really funny of
1: of late. Not because nothing's funny to me. Do you try to be funny on the podcast, or uh, or is it just strictly just you know Q and A? No, just... I try to be. I try to be funny.
2: Okay, I try to be informative and and throw zingers in there. But I'll go through stretches where I'm not. But I, you know, I when I get content like that, it's easy for me to freelance funny, but I'm saying just
1: sitting down with pen and pad, cranking out jokes funny, that's been hard. Are you uh, writing during this period and trying to um, you know, not write COVID jokes for when you get back on a stage or like, cause you feel it's gonna be too hacky or or what's your thought process through that whole, this whole downtime? Well, down well
2: the, the rule of thumb for me is uh, nothing is hacky and nothing is unfunny until it becomes hacky and unfunny. So I just tell, as I tell anybody, if you're gonna talk about popular topics, then it has to be the most original popular topic because everyone is talking about it. So the best way to write from that standpoint is to write what it is that you're actually going through because that what makes it the most organic and the most non-hacky because you're actually going through it as opposed to being general. You gotta be more specific if you're talking about Corona as opposed to like how it's directly affecting you. And then you judge it against what everybody else is writing and that's when you decide whether or not you would keep it. All of that being said, nope.
1: <laughs> so, so you haven't written any any nope. COVID jokes? No right? one. Not, so any anything still that you're you're writing and like hey i'm prepping this for for the return
2: and so i wouldn't say it's like core like uh it's more quarantine jokes than covid jokes just adjusting to a a life that you you know that you used to have and now it's like a, a almost like a new life so i've been writing jokes about that but nothing corona but more quarantine related even still though it's I have my I have my moments, but I like I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be pull you out for a half hour forty five minutes of stuff which I you know with three to four months of being locked down that's what you should do. But I'm telling you, when I'm not living, it's hard to to write. Like I'm alive, but I don't like I never felt like during this time I was actually living because you know you were just so restricted.
1: Gotcha. Well, so I'm assuming this is the longest time that you've been away from a microphone, like on a stage since your career started.
2: Yes. Besides Zoom shows. My last shows were March 12th weekend and I was in Calgary.
1: Okay. And so you have not been on a stage since.
2: I have not been on a live stage since. And uh, I, I do these Zoom shows, Chuck. And I'm telling you, you know, you've seen me and I've been known. To go longer. I think the first time I did your brewery show in Charlotte, like I did, you told me to do 45. I probably did an hour and five. And I right. was like, oh, Chuck, I hope it's good if I go long because I'm not getting off. Like, you know, I'm that guy. But these Zoom shows now, literally, man, a half hour, I'm gassed. Yeah. Because so- it's you speaking. Like, I don't, like a lot of my shows, I don't even have. People I can see, let alone here. I'm just speaking into a blank computer for 30 minutes.
1: Now walk me through that process. Are you selling these shows, or are these just uh, free? Just kind of so you can work on your chops type of scenario. No, well no nothing's free. free. Nothing's no free. free. Got it. All right. Always so are they? Hey, always pay. No free. <laughs> is it a donation based scenario, or is nope. it like, hey, it's a $10 hard ticket for you?
2: I've done one of those for a friend. And I did a fundraiser for a comedy club but all my other shows have just been corporate shows
1: okay
2: so that's what I, that's what I prefer
1: now how's uh, the the uh, technology aspect of it are they all muted um, when, it, so when that's, you know, the,
2: that's the trade-off that I made I, I tell anybody to ask um, mute your shows unless you don't want to do material unless you want that that kind of uh, a uh, question mark of what's going to happen during the show Then by all means unmute it Because funny shit can happen But I just want to do jokes And I kind of do like a best of Kevin Bozeman almost And so I just want to do jokes So I have a mute So I don't hear anyone laughing But I also don't hear dogs barking I don't hear conversation I don't hear drinks spilling So that's the fair trade-off And I can look and see if they're laughing But like I said, the problem is My last couple of shows is I haven't even been able to see anyone.
1: So, so you just see all the names in the void, in like no. a Zoom. You don't, don't even see that. see that. You can't even like call on Bill Smith and go, "Hey, nope. what do you think of that one, Bill?" I
2: see myself speaking, and then there's a chat, and sometimes I'll make you know people can chat. And I'll be like. And I, you know, I'm so ridiculous. I'll stop right in the middle of my set and be like, I'm just giving you guys a chance because I feel like I'm killing and you guys are laughing really hard and I want you to get it together. And they can be hating me, but then I'll, people will start saying stuff on chat, like, we're here, we're with you. And I'll be like, all right, cool. I just needed something to give me that boost, but I don't. Yeah, but that's a, it's a good, it's like a, it makes you Go back to your basics for fundamentals of comedy skill. Is your timing right? Are you saying the jokes? Are you articulate? Like, are right. you you know what I'm saying? All of those things.
1: Are you do you just like pause? Like you said uh, to kind of to catch up. Like do you pause and just? I would I would almost feel like if I was a comic like every after every five minutes just I would almost just say all right you know what we're gonna pause for some laughter. And just un- unmute everybody, just so I can get a little bit of self esteem. Yeah, except that, and then, I'm never, except that
2: I'm never running it. I'm always on at the uh, corporation's disposal. So I did one for recently for BMO Harris Bank, and the guy was in Tucson, Arizona, and me in Chicago, and he ran everything. And then I slowly saw, like, I was like, okay, it's a nice turnout because it was like BMO Harris, like their national branch, and so everybody from all over the country. But then all of a sudden. I just saw all the faces just start disappearing, and all oh the it was just me. And he was like, "All right." And the host who brought me up, and then he disappeared. And I was like, you doke. I love, hey. I love
1: the, I love that you just referenced the host that just brought you up on stage for. Uh, I know, right? Introduce <laughs> introduced me. I should say. Ah, oh, I, I, I miss that. I miss that. I miss it all, man. It's it's. So, um, with so, how many have you done? How many uh, Zoom um, shows have you done?
2: Um, about I average about two a month.
1: Okay, just to kind of get you some peanuts to get by and you pay a couple bills. Yeah, I, I I charge. <laughs> no, of course. I, mean, yeah, I charge.
2: A, I try to charge a good rate. Like, because yeah. I, I I do I do put maximum effort in, and no matter. I always tell people this. Is you can say that it's um, you know like you know even when we were doing live shows and people were like oh you, it's just one night why are you charging so much because this one night requires me to rearrange my whole week like if I just do a Thursday night or a Friday night there's a it's gonna be hard for me to work Saturday night so right. I we gotta make our money when you decide that's why we that's why the price change price points are so different in stand-up comedy but if you book me for the zoom show i'm all in on your zoom show i i go on your website i do research on your website i try to write jokes specific to you and your business so yeah i i charge but it's still so yeah but i, I you know i try to do two two a month and it's it's a decent income but it's not like being on on the stage, right. you know.
1: Do they have a uh, cleanliness uh, content restrictions? All my shows have been clean. Okay, well that's that's you not- I keep telling you, Chuck, that's <laughs> my magic trick. Well, you did just say 25, 30 minute shows, so most want like an hour. or So,
2: uh, well, I no see, I keep it at I keep it at thirty if it's just me. Like a lot of times, I'll do like their happy hour, so they'll have a meeting, so they'll have a meeting from one to two, and then they'll bring me in at two o'clock to do the 2.30. And then they encourage people to have drinks and everything, which is right up my alley.
1: that well
2: yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so I, I keep telling, I, I'm funnier, and I stand by this, and there's some amazing clean comics, but I'm funnier working clean than most people who make a living working clean.
1: You know and you know what I could probably vouch for that I mean if anybody is out there has never heard of Kevin Bozeman uh, you can go uh, download his uh, dry bar comedy special which is 100 clean that's a uh, it's a Mormon based company based out of Utah that uh, that uh, has been uh, showcasing clean comedians um, doing a full 40 45 minute set and then recently they switched over to like 20 minute sets for some of the uh, I think it ran out of clean comics so they sort of oh. switching over to the that's 20 awesome. minutes. That was I think that's the game, but and I'm not like
2: you work clean or you work dirty. I you have to work however you want to work and deal with the repercussions of that. But like I think there's a reason why you have to say, if anyone's ever heard of Kevin Bozeman, like I think when you're like a jack of all trades, you're kind of like a master of none, so you don't really build a fan base. So like when I got all of this dry bar heat people were coming out to see me and they were like, Oh, he's not working clean at all. And I like, sometimes I work clean, but I always try to work funny. And then that's the thing, you know,
1: do you but- feel that's hurt you or helped you as far as uh, a right, uh, two-sided question? Has it helped you? Has dry bar comedy helped your, uh, uh, your ticket price or sc- uh, your scalability for uh, you coming out to see you and on the back end, if it has, how has that hurt you if you have, you know, not bait and switch them per se, but if just what they they saw on dry bar might not be exactly what they see in the clubs.
2: Right. You just kind of answered it. Like uh, it has opened up more doors. Uh, I've gotten a lot of work from it, but in some ways it can pigeonhole you. And that's why I always now put when I promoted my shows, like, Make sure you look at what the show's rated. Don't just go Kevin Bozeman Dry Bar; he's going to be clean. Look at what the sh- the comedy club, because comedy club rates the show RPG and G. Do if they still do that, that though? That helps.
1: Do they still do that though? I mean, because I mean, I mean, I, I look at people's uh, websites all the time, and I rarely see an actual rating per scale. Like you know, scale.
2: I think the clubs. More the southern clubs do, okay. More the southern clubs do put the rating scales.
1: You think maybe they've just been burned too many times, and now they just kind of feel like they have to just for that reason.
2: Yo, that's a good question. I think it's. I don't know if there's any one answer. I think it might just be a train of thought. But then it could have been they've been burned, right? Because if I if I own a club, I would could have been proactive.
1: If I own a comedy club, I feel like I would always put, you know, just that disclaimer. Don't never assume, I guess, is the uh, the concept. I mean, look how many times people have gone into comedy clubs over the last more so the 10 like last 10, 15 years and come away with just, you know, yelling at the comics or posting something online. You know, uh, you know, something comes to mind about um Daniel Tosh. He had a he came out like something, he posted he did a rape joke or whatever. Yeah. And I don't remember the the content. Right. Or the context of that joke, but uh but the whole concept was like you're at a comedy club. I mean there's no holds barred. I mean yeah. so You know,
2: I used to have a rape joke. I think everyone does.
1: I'm not gonna ask you to do it here, but <laughs> no,
2: no, 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 This is why I'm here. I'm here to do this stuff. What are you talking about? Don't be ridiculous.
1: I'll tell you, I won't tell you the whole rate. You gonna pull it out? Is it another one? Is I, it did you do it right after the hurricane bit, like in 2003? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I the
2: reason why I tell you this is just for one, it's about a uh, uh word manipulation. I always tell it's the same thing. It's not hacky till it's hacky, it's not unfunny till it's unfunny, and it's not offensive until you offend. Those are the rules. I never tell people don't talk about anything, but you do know you are on in waters that very few people can swim in, which is facts. So this joke I used to do was about being in a friend zone and about how awful it is. And I give all of these superlatives, but I always wait to do the joke at the end. I always try to show people who I am and show people that I pushed the line before I cross this line. Sure. The joke is basically, you know, being in a friend zone is awful. I'll never go to a friend zone. I would, I would uh, rape my way out of a friend zone. It's the, it's the line, right? And so that had a shelf life of maybe a year and a half. I did put it on my album though, cause I really liked it. But I started getting pushback from it and rightfully so. Like, I don't care, I got pushback from it, but I literally changed it from Rape My Way Out of a Friend Zone to Everyone Cringing, to Bill Cosby My Way Out of a Friend Zone to getting the applause breaks. But it's the same fucking thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Thing. And it's that's mean,
2: what- I'm saying the same thing But I just put the onus on Cosby when I don't even do the joke anymore. I don't even know if I remember the joke. Like I like it's just a joke that just got like buried in a recess of my brain. But like the joke that I did, like I say I would bill Cosby my way out of a friend
1: zone and then I was getting applause breaks. It's funny. Well that's what makes a good good comedian that you learn to adapt and change and you know all right maybe that bit you know whether like you said you just said i i liked it so i left it on my album but um so but you're willing to adapt and change to hey let's make it for the better of the show to change it to this and maybe not ruffle as many feathers and because i always feel like you are really good at just that uh ruffling some feathers without plucking them i guess per se because you are really good at just like just getting them right up to the edge going, oh, right and it, and you reel it back, and I've seen you go over, but but most yeah, of the time, yeah, yeah. it you have walked the line and you do a pretty good job. Have you ever had? I I, I pretty much know the answer to this, but uh, what um, times in your career that you um, like you had the 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 a lot of pushback, I guess per se for some of the material, um, and maybe walked the crowd, and um, I haven't like, walked. I haven't walked
2: many crowds. I remember that I think the last one I walked was uh in Toledo a few years and I'll tell you I'll tell you exactly I'll tell you exactly why I walk why I walked that crowd. It was uh, it was two marriage parties in there. And as you know, I don't necessarily do
1: marriage friendly jokes. What what's a marriage party? Like a like a wedding like bachelor par- bachelor bachelor party? That's a party. All right, all right. That's okay. right. Bachelor- <laughs> two bachelorette parties. Got it. Right? And, I wanted to clarify yeah. what a wedding party was. But I get that. Yeah. I get it.
2: What a, like it's that's what, that's how long it's been since I did stand up a live show. Like, what do you guys up? <laughs> a marriage party or something? <laughs> you guys dressed like you have balloons and dicks on your head. What's happening? So so, and then uh, I had a super funny guy in front of me that I would try to bring with Mike Paramore, as you know. Who also I know Mike. Fun. And, you know, tr- uh, he's so cuddly and lovable. And he doesn't do anything offensive at all. Like, it's like, you know, it's so likable. Everything he does is so likable. And I'm like that until I start saying really dark things. But I don't, sometimes I just don't, I don't. Adjust. Sometimes I'm just like, nah, fuck it. This is what I want to do. I'll deal with it. But that was like the last time that I actually was walking people because I was just hammering how shitty marriage is. And it was two giant bachelorette parties and you could just, I was just taking them to a bad place. And they eventually all went to the bathroom and never came back. Um,
1: yeah. If they're there celebrating their impending nuptials and you're bashing it, I, I have to assume
2: that was- right. uh, Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I but I think as far as like pushback, I kind of prefer pushback as opposed to crowds laying down for you.
1: Do you think that's a little right. bit of the fanning the flame for you on the on the comedy aspect? Ma- uh, makes it a better show for you per se?
2: It makes it a better show for everyone. You shouldn't if you kill all the time, all the jokes you are without a doubt doing comedy wrong because you're not because it's too easy no you're just not you're not saying anything you're not saying especially now with this divided with the, everyone's divided train of thought let's just call it
1: what do you mean <laughs> 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 what do you mean I I don't I don't watch the news, Kevin. Tell Tell me more. Tell tell me more. What's going on? (laughs) Did something happen?
2: What I'm saying is, if you with these, you can just Google some shit, you'll figure it out. If you don't ruffle any feathers with this train of thought, that means you are talking about nothing. It's all Taco Bell shit. Yeah. It's all this. It's all safe. And there, once again, there's nothing wrong with safe comedy. There's some great comics out there that I would pay to see. Don't ask me offhand because I can't think of it. Uh, That I would pay to see that are safe. But for me, I I like to make you squirm. I like to, I just feel like that's my best comedy. So when I get pushback That's where I feel like I'm at my best, as opposed to a crowd that's saying, we're hanging on every word. Tell us when to laugh, we'll laugh. I don't like it. And plus, they always get gassed.
1: Yeah, and I feel like for you, at least, too, I mean, in most comics, just to mix it up, it's got to be so boring doing the same shit over and over and over. I mean, how many comics do you know that haven't haven't changed their act in like 10 years or or more? Uh,
2: I feel like way less than when I started
1: because um, those people have been kind of pushed out. You think, or maybe gone to the cruise ship market or something? Because I feel those well, are the ones that come. Out of
2: the, they've been pushed out of the venues that I work at. Let's okay, say the,
1: those are the ones that come to my mind first. And same thing, I, I mean, I, I I book comedians in the cruise ship market, so I'm not knocking them. I just feel like they're, That's kind of where they go. Like, hey, if they don't push any like barriers that. or any boundaries as far as their content, and, I don't know. I don't know if you ever seen Lord of the Rings. I have not. I know I you said that but right. Lord
2: of the Rings is, and some of them, they don't. Have, some of the heroes in Lord of the Rings, they don't actually die, but they don't. They get put on a boat and shipped off to a, like a distant island where they live their life. That's how those comics are just cruise ships. It's
1: Carnival They're, Island,
2: right? They just get shipped off. Like, look, you had a great run. We're not killing you off. You still get to work. You still get to make money. Right. But no one can ever see you. Yeah. In, in <laughs> up until- and up There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good run. You found an act that'll make you money. But, you know, as far as chasing dreams and shit, nope. Just stack them checks up, yo.
1: Yeah. But in, up until March 13th, that was a lucrative business. I mean, now look at the cruise ship market. I mean. I
2: just saw. Did you see like a couple of weeks
1: ago that the cruise ship just came back from like months at at sea? I uh, I did not hear that. I knew at one time that a lot of them were being kind of just just floating around in limbo. Um, so was it was yeah. it a car? what what cruise line do you, do oh, you know? I have no idea. Can no you imagine idea. if you were still stuck on there? I mean like a as an entertainer or whatever and I did one cruise ship. I wanted to see what it was like. I did a, a
2: So train cruise back in January.
1: Okay. I, I did do remember a- that.
2: I did a Soul Train cruise, and the best thing about the Soul Train cruise is, it's not going to be a shock to you, is that I discovered that Caribbean rum is my favorite
0: thing. Oh, my God. Chuck, (laughs) you and I have got to get drunk on real
2: Caribbean rum. Not that Bacardi. I'm talking like Bacardi that you never heard of. It's like, why is Bacardi $40 a bottle? Like, this
1: is so so freaking good and why does it come in 2.5 liters it's so Uh, odd exactly right (laughs) so but i'm telling you the cruise ship itself was fun
2: but i was taking the weirdest dairy queen shits i've ever taken in my life eating that food (laughs) i had just stopped eating there and was just eating protein bars were you eating too
1: much or just the content of that food, which is kind of
2: food, man. There's so I don't, I'm not a fan of buffets to begin with anymore, but I'm definitely not a fan of buffet. So I was just, by the end of the, of the run, I was just trying to eat peanut butter sandwiches because it was just like, but the experience itself is good. And I was on there. I was performing with, legends of soul train that i had thought was dead and i was like oh shit they're alive it was, <laughs> I was like, oh my god i performed with you i thought you was dead
1: that seems like half of those uh old school like motown groups though like i i don't know necessarily know all the the members names of these bands and such but i feel like they just keep circling out new people and just still go on the tour with uh Whatever that you know the, under the umbrella of that name. And is there anybody alive from that, that original group tight Right.
2: They got maybe the lead singer or the dude that wrote the songs, and then everybody else you know right. I like I was war was on there. I don't know if you know remember the band yeah. War. Yeah. Back in 1972. What was it good for? Cisco <laughs> Kid. Was a friend, maybe that song Cisco Kid like this yeah. was in 72 and they sang that song, that dude killed it, he was so good.
1: Or like, he lip synced it great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, Mr. Cosby. Um, I, I thought of this. Um, you, you work a lot with uh, Hannibal Burris, and uh, Hannibal Burris was of kind of thrown into the forefront of the uh, comedy world a few years back when he kind of unfairly. unfairly unfairly thrown into the world?
2: Yeah, unfairly thrown into that
1: world. Okay, Uh, why do you say unfairly? Well, it's unfairly
2: because um, if you do a joke, like, hold on, let me take a step back. I say unfairly, I lean unfairly, but I get the nature of stand up and I get the nature of who he is. But if you come see me perform and I do some jokes, and, but I'm not doing it like on hBO and Netflix I'm just doing it for this particular crowd and somebody records it and puts it out there without my consent I consider it consider it unfair especially because the information that he uh attained is there for everyone
1: now, uh, I guess if you're not uh, a comedy fan and you're just happening to be listening to this, I mean, uh, it, what year was that? Do you think they're
2: not a comedy fan? Why are they not
1: listening? The, maybe the, they stumbled across this do you have? <laughs> maybe they just stumble acro- across hashtag podcast and decided to listen. Yeah. Who knows, Kevin? Yeah. Come on, play along. So, Hannibal Burris uh, um, referenced uh, Bill Cosby and his uh, allegations kind of before it was well known. I would you say to assume is that the
2: before it was well known he brought it to the mass but people in circles knew
1: okay and i did not know because i you know being on the talent side i mean and i don't live in What's a- like Louis CK? right same same scenario i don't live in la new york uh, i'm in charlotte and i love my little comedy pond that i've created uh, so now do you think so you obviously talked with hannibal quite a bit like did, is he was he mad about that or or is it kind of two sides of the coin like hey this propelled me into this
2: new start i don't know, of it. If, I don't know if it necessarily propelled him i think he was trending up anyway i would say this without and i've never asked him this cuz i know the answer to it if he could do it all over again he wouldn't have okay he wouldn't have and and i'm not sure if that's a good thing, because I think he's a hero for it because I believe I'm a dude that, I don't care what, how good you are or whatever it is you're good at shit, I try to hold you accountable. Like I think Lance Armstrong did some amazing things for people, but he's a piece of shit dude. I think Cosby did some amazing things, especially for the black community, But he's a piece of shit dude, and he should be behind bars. So I do believe that without Hannibal, Cosby would still be Cosby. But I also get why if Hannibal had a time machine, he would go back and be like, I'm not going to say that joke at that point.
1: All right. So, like, um, is there anything in your act or whatever that you would be pissed if somebody recorded and and uploaded? And do you have any kind of parameters um, when you go into comedy clubs now? I mean, to or any venue, whether it's a college or private event that they can't record you. you, Are you always going to fall victim or be prone to somebody lifting what they see and hear? And manipulating it. Well, not even manipulated. if you don't want it out there at that point in time. I mean. It's almost the game. Like, what are you going to. Everyone loves to
2: have. Like, everyone loves to have moments of saying what they're a part of. So, you know, you book a club and you tell the club, I want to make sure. And that's what I always try to tell colleges and clubs. The one thing I always try to make sure this happens is Make sure they're not recording me. That being said, I'm to tell you about my story about Youngstown, Ohio, where I went a uh, VIP strip club and it got kicked out for the recording
1: of the strippers. You were recording the strippers? Yeah. Okay. No, I have not heard that story. Sounds like a perfect time <laughs> since <laughs> since you brought it up. <laughs>
2: so I, was, I got into a
1: club. I was doing
2: doing some college gigs, and then after the college gig, I go.
1: Wait, was this a Summit comedy college yep. gig? Or, okay, all right. Summit, yep. summit,
2: <laughs> Summit. Well, I,
1: you were with another agency or two before. Yep. So summit. I, summit. I bet it was the summit. other one. Summit. I think you got your lines crossed. Summit. <laughs> the person that booked me, Chuck Johnson. <laughs> Chuck Johnson booked me. For I didn't gig. book you for the strip club, though. Oh, did you back now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Tell your, tell your little story. <laughs> oh, it's a little story now.
2: Tell <laughs> so this little story that means nothing to somebody. Okay. That no, means nothing. I went out, I went out with, a uh, had a couple of friends in town. They took me to the strip club. And at that point, this was right when phones was getting, you know, videos and you could get videos and pictures on your phone. So I just get like, like the
1: Motorola razor one. Yeah, it was
2: pretty, it was pretty nice, pretty little flip red phone. And it was like, I was telling them to take pictures and stuff. And I knew the guy was watching me, but I was just trying to act like I was talking. But then I would look at him and he would look away and I'd be like, click, click, click. But one time I clicked it and, and it was just like, and I was looking at it and I was trying to get another one. I forgot about him because I might've been drinking. And then he ended up, they ended up throwing me out. But they never took my phone and never made me erase the photos. So I would still had all the stripper <laughs> photos, and my phone was pretty popular. So story means nothing, but I just wanted to share with you. Oh, like thanks. What
0: happens on the road?
2: Said, that being said, what I did to them happens to the comedy game a lot. You don't want it to happen.
1: Sure.
2: But sometimes it does you know, I don't know what you can do about it.
1: Well, are you a fan of uh, what's uh, – I mean, what are they called Yonder Pouches? Is that what – I think that's the brand, Yonder Pouches. Uh, I know Chris Rock, um, I saw him a few years ago, and they oh, had the, yeah. the Yonder Pouch where you put your cell phone in and it locks, and yeah. you literally cannot – you can bring your cell phone inside with a pouch, but if you need to make a phone call, you have to leave, and then they – it's basically a, a magnet. And that would of some be something sort.
2: something that clubs need to invest in, and that would be something that only a club would invest in. That would be something that the Madisons, the Minneapolis, the you know, the Comedy Club of State in Madison, the right. Comedy Club, the uh, the Improvs. That would be something that they would have to invest in, because I it's not going to be. Cheap. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, but I I have to assume that it can't be more than ten dollars a pouch, and you know, spend four grand, and like that covers your you know your show. So I I think it's a brilliant idea. I don't understand why more more uh, um, uh, clubs wouldn't do that just to protect the comedians, because because the backlash what the, the backlash doesn't help hurt uh, help them either.
2: Your love for comedy is adorable. <laughs> you say. I don't get I don't get why the club wouldn't protect the comedian. It's adorable. It's adorable. It's adorable that that you have that kind of love for comedy that you still don't get why a club wouldn't protect the comedian. So- I. Uh-
1: I have been told that I am not your typical uh, agent in the, yeah. in, the, in this business. And maybe you that's got, why, because I stay in my little pond in Charlotte, North Carolina. You got
2: much love for comedy that you're like, I don't get why clothes wouldn't do that.
1: Oh, you know? Not at all? Really? Well, and I don't even know if it's a love for comedy. It's just, I feel like it's just decent human behavior. I mean, just to take care of the people that take you, care of you.
2: If you eat, I, here's what I want. Here's what I don't want. I don't want, my best clubs are dive clubs that got like a fan base. Like, I don't want food served at my shows. I don't want like the improvs are great, they pay well. They got you know some built in fan base. They go, if you are performing at the improv, we know you are good, otherwise, you wouldn't be at the improv. Right? But you can't ever convince me to serve at a steak at a comedy show. Is a good thing. Like, how can you possibly laugh eating a steak? Right, popcorn. Yep, <laughs> bullshit
1: nachos. Yep, steaks. Uh, you got. You have to have utensils. There's now. There's more activity involved. There's,
2: <sighs> there's,
1: there's effort. There's, yeah, there's right. a left, left arm and right arm going. Uh, you're full,
2: uh, is, uh, What is he saying? Like, it's such a distraction point.
1: So, who do you uh like? Obviously, you work all over the country and even uh, outside of the country. What uh, What is your favorite comedy club in the country?
2: Oh, that's easy. Comedy Club of State, Madison. You've been there.
1: Yep. Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, They're
2: doing it now. They actually, I think they're making it in a 400, 450 seater now.
1: Nice. And um, yeah, I've been there um, a few times, and I I really um, you know what I took away from the, that place. Um, I mean, I mean, been a, a million comedy clubs, but one. I mean, they really treated uh, the, their staff really well. I mean, and they. Um, I remember me and Melissa Beer went to that, and they had a really cool intro. Like it, it just felt like they went over the rules like in a com- comedic way, but obviously got the point across of saying like. Hey, this is our show, and you're just here visiting. So don't screw it up. So
2: here's the thing: if you, it's true for stand-up. It's just true for you, the agent. It's true for comedy club. It's true for all levels of the stand-up business: the agents, the, the comics, the club owners, the staff. If you care about the product and truly invest in the product, the money will take care of itself, but so many people are in the business where they only think about the money as opposed to the product, but if you if you knock out the product, the money will take care of itself. So many people are always just like, that's why they skip That's why they try to bring in bullshit uh, acts, and that's why they're paper in the room all the time. If you just Treat everyone the way you want to be treated. You can train an audience into being an audience that, that just learns to appreciate good comedy because you know that the club is a well run club and they don't want to put shit out there because they care. Just like we're talking about you, you care about comedy. Yeah. Their love
1: for comedy is so adorable. That's <laughs> not my love. No, no, I'm not
2: talking about my love. I I love that I love the art of performing which is why I love the art of performing which is why I get make a living off of it because I love the art of performing and I don't take it for granted but it's the same thing you love the art of stand up and you don't think like you have, have you not passed on people that you, that would have made you money but you didn't like what their act
1: Oh, all the time. I mean, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, but it's, uh, there's so many spokes to the comedy wheel. I always say that, you know, the, like the five C's of comedy is, uh, literally the clubs, colleges, corporate events, cruise ships, and churches is kind of makes up the most of the, uh, the comedy wheel as far as making money. And not every comedian can do all f- five spokes of the comedy wheel. So, I mean, I, I remember like Roy Wood Jr. was one that I, I always knew that like, Oh man, you, like, it happened like you could book him on one night at a club the next day at a college, the next day at a corporate. And like, yeah, the money it fluctuated and such, but like he, he and many other comedians could do that. And, but not everybody could. So I always kind of, kind of coach, you know, up and coming comedians and not to say like, Hey, you know, if if you work edgy, that's great. I'm not going to condone that. I mean, that's, that's your Avenue, but your Avenue is going to be limited probably just to clubs. Here's the thing, though.
2: You can tell people is you can work edgy. You're not going to you're not going to hold their hand. They have to know when the dollar down. You can't be the one to tell them, hey, I need your dollar down. They should just know. And then you have trust in them. And I'll say like that's been good with our relationship. It's like you told me, I think it was you. You said there's two people that I don't tell who to do their set when they do showcase it was me and whoever else you said at the time you go you do your showcase and you trust that i'll figure it out or know what what to do because right. like that's part of it because you i mean
1: because you've done it so long and you're seasoned and like right. I, th- I think if you if i put too much input into somebody's brain and i think it might mess up the process and the the beauty of what your art form and what but some do need that guidance and um so I, and and some art for
2: it. some and, and right so should ask for it but yeah some people who hand you have to hold but some you you just you know they figure it out
1: and that's what i feel like a good agent does i mean instead i mean i've been doing this so long i've seen so many agents that just stick somebody up on stage and say good luck i mean and just that i we're all here to make money. I mean, you, you, on both sides of the fence. So but I did. oh Gosh, what I do for you last year, 50
2: colleges, maybe I did a lot for you. I did thir- over 30. 50 might be too much, but it seems like 50 when you're doing colleges. <laughs> I know right. it's over 30 and we would go through them. You'd be like, "Yep," And then you'll be like, hey, this didn't. You got a grade that wasn't so good, and I'd be like, I can tell you what, college, no need. I know what happened. Let's just keep going. I know why I sucked. I know. And you'd be like, all right, cool. Because
1: sometimes there is a wrist slap afterwards. You know, it happens.
2: I I am an eternal envelope pusher, I believe. And sometimes that's the game, though. Like, I'm not even mad at the game, because I know that that's the game. The game is... Not to offend the people that seemingly look like all they look like is they want to be offended. If if you, it seems like they're looking to be offended and the game is not to offend them. Now, if I did know the game, then I would be angry because I'd be like, holy shit, my people. But I know the game and I still think my goal is to make them laugh. So that's why I'm good with pushback.
1: And you're good at it. Hey, I got a question. I just uh, threw up uh, um, your Instagram and your Twitter. Uh, your Instagram is Kevin Bozeman one, and your Twitter is Kevin Bozeman. Who's uh, Kevin Bozeman? Who, who stole your account?
2: My punk ass kid took Kevin Bozeman. What's that? My punk ass kid took Kevin Bozeman. Oh, he took Kevin Bozeman
1: one. Is he using it, or is he just holding it as ransom from
2: They're
1: you? It. Oh, that son of a bitch! No, yeah, he didn't even
2: use it. <laughs> He's like
1: hey, gross. He's dumb. that's uh that's uh the one upper on dad. <laughs> I
2: mean I was like why would you why would you think that you could take well if you really wanted
1: it you would have had it. Oh that's that's so funny. Oh are your kids funny? Do you think they're funny? Uh, my
2: yeah, one of them is, is funny. He's got a dry sense of humor. Uh here's what bothers me about him, my kids. They're horrible storytellers.
1: <laughs> like how can you be a Bozeman and <laughs> and, and, be, and, and stumble through a story? And
2: just tell me stories is just like this is uh where you go wrap it up. Can we get to the point? Yeah, they're horrible storytellers. But for like one liner and zingers, they're they're pretty good at that. They're pretty they, good. At that. They're,
1: they're uh they're storytellers. You have two boys. Well you have three boys now, three boys. right? Your oldest are, I think, the same age as mine. Uh, What, 18 and 15? 17 and 15. Yeah, yeah. So, 18 uh, and 16. 17, 15, 2. Is your uh, oldest uh, going to be a senior in high school? You'll be a senior. So, because all we might been going looking for
2: schools and stuff because he's, you know, he's in athletics and everything. And I don't, I would like to say they're going to have seasons, but every time you look when they have, you know, they just put, 25 Clemson players in quarantine, right? Because they were all trying to practice, like in the Ale- University of Alabama, University of Houston. So I don't know. Even if they said we didn't have anybody in the stands, which I don't know how anybody in the stands can quarantine football players anyway if you just socially distance them. But I just don't. I'm wor- I'm really worried that his senior year is going to not be because he loves school, but my middle. My middle child is is like I can live like this the rest of my life.
1: Right, but he's not learning anything, and he's good with that. <laughs> well, my oldest is going to college in the fall, so as he, he what school uh, Appalachian State. Ah, Appalachian State, yeah, and that's where me and my wife went too. So. Oh, right it's almost like we're going back to school. We're all excited. And, uh, but he's more like, Hey, what the hell is up with this, you know, COVID shit. So, uh, so yeah, so it, it's, I'm really curious, but ultimately, I mean, plus the, the aspect of my career that uh 50% of uh, summit comedy's business comes from the college market. It's uh it's scary uh, to know whether or not uh, that's going to happen. And, and I feel though, and I mentioned this uh, last week that, uh, um, I, but these, these uh, companies are, their are businesses. They're going to want to, Push people in there as as quickly as possible, is, and because they have to make money, so all the high
2: water take their risk eventually and take their risk. I would say like you just have to find. There's a lot of people you know. Remember when early on during the coronavirus, there was people so pissed off because they couldn't get their hair did, (laughs) and I was just like. I'm not even telling you that you're wrong, but I'm saying that there's two groups of people. There's people that realize some shit's not important, and there's other people that don't realize that. that Everything's important to them, and I'm not even saying that they're wrong. I fall into the category of some shit's just not important.
1: Right, like your beard. I, just let it let it grow out and, you know. Yeah. My
2: beard looks like uh I'm an African American professor of so like a studies, like African American studies professor, like yeah at a I community can... at a community college show. Yeah,
1: I can see that. Well, but you are a college professor. Does it you can uh mention that I guess.
2: Yeah, are you still doing that
1: gig next fall? Yeah, I, te- I actually took
2: a sec I actually taught a second class of stand-up comedy. It's an advanced stand-up comedy where so I teach Stand up comedy at DePaul University, and then advanced stand up comedy at DePaul University.
1: Nice. I it's like really that.
2: it's great. I'm what? telling you, it's great. People say you can't teach comedy, and I agree. And I tell them that. I go, if you're not funny, you're not going to leave. You're funny. I tell them that right up front. I go, if you think I'm going to teach you how to be funny, I cannot teach you how to be funny. It's a character trait. It's just I can't. what it's I in, can't it's in your blood. What I can teach you is how to be better at, at speaking in front of others. Like, and that's a, that's a, that's a talent you almost need to have nowadays. You always
1: got to be able to, to sell yourself. Right. Worst case scenario, you sell it as a public speaking class and, and that still be beneficial in life.
2: So many people got that as a bucket list and so many people think that they're funny. Right. So like the classes, the class.
1: Well, it's just like any kind of entertainment you know people think that they're they're a good singer and then they go on American Idol and and because everybody in their world has told them that and then they go on no, and go you're not right' you're, you're not you're not yeah, See? But, you've, but you've seen
2: that like how many times I go it's one thing to be funny in front of 10, 15 of your best friends that know who you are, know who the people you're talking about And so they got point of references right it's totally different in front of being funny in front of 200 strangers.
1: I've, uh, I've started a collection of uh, uh, online links that I get. Uh, I started that uh, January 1st this year just because uh, I get so many just the worst submissions ever. And uh, one day I'm just going to sell it, start selling it to comedians as a little are side joke.
2: Are they all comedians or the people that just try and stand up?
1: Comedians, in quotation. Well, when you say that, though, but do they are they? No, they're they not working? working. Are they working? No, it's it's all the ones that you would expect, like get in their. I mean, well, I joke and say that it's in their living room, but now that's reality. <laughs> for oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Are you getting those clips? Um, I have not yet. I haven't gotten any. But like what
2: this? We like, dude, like. Even I mean, like, I, didn't even, th- you
1: know I didn't even think about that so I just said that. It's like, its just the clips of them performing in the living room. But, like, that's the world we're in. So that's pretty funny that I even brought that up. Uh, um, you know, but it's people with, like the fake microphones. And, and, um, and uh, yeah, its I, I've seen it all, man. I I've been I, doing this-
2: I would not ever want your job.
1: <laughs> like, but- I really, you're good at it. You're really good at it. But I would
2: never, ever...
1: Well, I keep it simple. So it's it's not brain surgery, as I always say. You sell the jokes. Uh, you tell the jokes, I sell the jokes. And it's pretty simple. Sure.
2: What's the simplicity of what you say you keep it simple?
1: I, I just, just that, I don't, I, there's no bullshit involved. I, I, I am a, have the ability of, uh, Hey, if you are a high maintenance comedian that just causes problems, I don't just keep you around. You are gone. Like, it's just, whereas I see people in LA where their hands are tied, other agents like, well, they're for this big uh, corporation where, Hey, I don't like that comic either. He's causing headaches. Uh, he's the next Chris D'Elia or whatever, you know, I, uh, you know, that has yeah. there's baggage attached but then they still have to sell them with a straight face. I mean, I am lucky that I, I am my own company and that I can just, you know, work with the people that are just simply funny. And I I
2: then I remember when you first started out in a college market and you reached out and I was with uh Barbara Copper Smith and you was just like, Hey man, you know, I just want you to know I'm in the college market. And I was like, the dude that's, that's booking Marinette, Wisconsin for $200 Is starting up.
1: <laughs> hey, I did everything, man. Gotta, gotta hey, spend a wheel to make money.
2: You UP for $450 and, and Bullfrogs in uh, Topeka for $400. Is that the guy?
1: Hey, I paid $750, I think. I know it was $600. You're right.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's the guy? And then he slowly just started. He got in. He started building, and then you building, and then I don't know. I like, I don't look at the roster. I don't. I never look at the roster. I know you always had a solid roster for like the last 10, 15 years, and it's just, you know, you put your work in. You, yeah. You it, so you where, where you where uh, you where you're at?
1: Well, thanks, Matt. I, I I'm trying to I try to remember the first time I uh, met you and um and I'm not sure if this is the story, but the first time I remember that I met you was you were with another agency and you were trying, you were about to leave that said agency. You said a Barbara Coppersmith agency and um, for whatever reasons, and um, you had approached um, me and another agency verbally and said, Hey, I'm shopping around. I'm ready to go. And, and you were walking on stage to showcase for your agent and you literally turned and looked at me and said, "Save me." I know, right? <laughs> that is the time that I remember meeting you. It might have been before that, but that was the first time, and I just remember going, this guy, he and I are going to work together.
2: my. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, well, what happened was the person that recruited me to Barbara Copper Smith had left you know, raise the family and everything. So I didn't have, like, I got to, man, I just can't be uh, just a face. I here's the, here's the two things I don't want, is I never want to be the best on a team. I should never be the best on any team. And at that point, so many people that left, I was like, the best one. I was like, that shouldn't be. And I should never be the worst one. I should never be the best, and I should never be the worst one on a team. Like, that's just how I look at it. Regardless how I feel, I might feel differently, but I should never be looked upon as the best or the worst. And it was just time, like the person that had recruited me, it was time to go. And I saw you was on the come up. So I was just, I, I presented to you and a couple of other agencies. And I was just like, make your pitch. Uh, here's the colleges that I work all the time. Make your pitch of why I should be with you. And you went out and we've been uh, we've going ever since.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a good run, man. This is, hey, where, it's, look, this, this, this is where I tell you, like, oh, we're, I got to let you go. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. good with that.
2: I, <laughs> I told me, everybody that tells me that they got to let me go, I'm like, yeah, I get it. On yeah. some level. On well, some, level, I, I get it. But I, remember- I also know that if I get a chance to fuck up one of your shows, I am going to wreck it. And I'm going to wreck it the right way, too. I'm gonna wreck whoever you think your prized pupil or possession is, and I'm gonna go in front of them. And
1: make like this. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I I will gingerly let you down, but it's like, but once I remember uh, comedian Wilmar Forey once told me I, I I let him go, and because um, every you know this the same the thing of the college market is it's the whole we get older every year, but they stay the same age. It's literally yeah. the 18 to 21 year old market. I mean, so your show has to obviously um kind of fit within their world. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you can still do comedy and you can be 40, 50, you know, I I don't know what the age limit is, but if your material is relevant to them and it's funny, I think you can stay, you can make a lot of money in there for it's not just a young man's game. It definitely helps um just if they see a younger comic and they kind of more adapt to that. But it comes down to that content aspect of it. And I feel like you know you're one of those guys that's almost timeless and you can you know still keep going and and um, you know. it's
2: was like when you're a jack of all trades and master none, it's just like I I'll do I'll go anywhere if the if the money is good. But then also, you know, it's hard to build that that specific group of people that wherever you go, those group of people are going to come out to see you. Right. And that's the thing. And then that's how you get to that certain level. At some point, you have to have one group of people, no matter what city you're in, that's going Bozeman's in town. I got to see him. Right. Right. Isn't that? Yeah. Like that's the thing, which is why so many people make it and you go. They're not funny, how did they make it? Doesn't matter if you think they're funny or they make it. They have a certain group demographic that they speak to and then other people go, oh, I can make money off of that because you already have a built-in audience as opposed to people thinking, oh, he was really, he or she was really funny and then three weeks later they can't remember who you were. The guy with the hat with the, the Asian letters on it. He was drunk on stage.
1: Right. I've been t- well, whatever whatever however they remember you, right? <laughs> um so as you can see from the bottom uh this is the the name of the podcast is called the check drop and and I feel like I need to explain it to most people uh, the check drop is during the uh the comedy club uh world where there's a lull in the show where the wait staff come out and drop uh the checks to the you know for everybody to settle their tabs and such and it's uh, typically the, the the worst part of the show for a headliner. do you do you uh, embrace this time? Do you do you pander? what what's your rule of thumb like when you encounter that towards the end of the show?
2: it's It's really all about um the club. like some clubs know how to handle check trust better than the others. Like you know, if the staff is out there worried about their money and everything, they're more loud and more disruptive uh right. now clubs has learned that the check drop can actually happen at the end of the show you can square up at the end of the show but like i don't because i'm not married to a set order of my act like i got burner jokes that'll burn through it like for for clubs that don't do well at that i got burner jokes that'll buy me that three minutes of you know, sometimes you get caught when you're saying a joke that's like they really they really need to pay attention on, and they drop dropping the check. And you're like, well, this is about <laughs> to just
1: disintegrate into
2: nothingness. But crickets, right? But it's not a yeah. I haven't really concerned myself about check drops.
1: All right, uh, for at well, least
2: three months. <laughs> so.
1: so when is the uh, next scheduled date for you that you you want to plug?
2: I tentatively have, yeah, while I want to plug, I will be in Oklahoma City at the Looney Bin the end of July, beginning of August. And then I will be in Madison the middle of August for their grand reopening uh, that week. So KevinBozeman.com or KevinBozeman1 for Instagram. (laughs)
1: Nice. Um, so let's leave this, uh, on, uh, on a, on a high note. Um, I like the concept of many people telling about their worst gig, their worst heckling experience, et cetera, et cetera. I want to flip it and, uh, for you. And, and what's the best, do you have a one gig that you've done? It's like, still, it's the best gig you've ever done. And it's where like, you kind of look back and go, man, like if every gig was like, this it's the best. It's just the Zenith of your career so far that, just reaches out in your mind i guess no
2: well, so i think all of them at this point of game like uh, there's so many great memories from stand up obviously uh dry bar holds a special place because it was like something i've been telling people that i could do and it was just like that that showing people that trick of working super super i mean it's super clean you got to work it's not it's super super clean and then even then the jokes i was doing i got pushed back and then i found out that they and they later embraced what i was doing and they started showing my my video as what to do with how to be able to manipulate
1: interesting so that,
2: right that was that was a good feeling but i would say uh doing shows at the chicago theater meant a lot to me cuz growing up we me and my brothers we would, and my friends, we would go to Chicago Theater because that area was all worn down, all those theaters in Chicago. And they had like three or four and they would just run B-horror flicks or you could pay $10 and watch five karate movies all day. You can get there at like 10 a.m. and it stayed at like 4 p.m. and they just show that. And so we would go to Chicago Theater and watch like, these B-horror movies and C-karate movies and we would be in that theater. And then after they restored it, to get to perform there was a real highlight. And then also just uh, when I headlined Vegas and seeing my face on a strip because I've given them so much fucking money, <laughs> right? I've given Vegas so much money
1: and they to be like, we get what you did for us. yeah. Here's your face on the strip. Here's ten percent of your uh, of your loss. Um. <laughs> yeah, not even ten percent,
2: <laughs> but like just that, like having that. I would say, try bar um, performing the Chicago theater, and then uh, having my face on the strip in Vegas at the MGM were, offhand, of three of my biggest highlights of just like. But I also think about you know when you first get the. Your first headlining gig, you think about that, like you, oh, my name, right there, right. That's my name, and most of the time, you know, when you're headlining, you're you're the closer, you're not the headliner. There's a difference between closing. I think there's a difference between closing and
1: headlining. I believe so too. Right? There's a yeah. person that goes
2: last, and then there's a person that people come out to see. Right. And I think that's the difference. And so, so my closing was was like a pretty good. Like, oh, right. I I got there. So that was good because it was all gravy. Like I never had dreams of doing the stand up. It was just something that I stumbled onto and realized that I had a knack for. And I just, you know,
1: cranked it out, Holmes. Well, you're pretty damn good at it, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I guess that's a good enough quick hour. I know, right? It's uh it's crazy uh, like I my, my thought was to uh, just kind of roll around 45 50 minutes every time cuz like a headliner set and you drop the check I'm like man I could talk to you for 3 4 hours easily oh,
2: so, so I mean, we didn't even go into the times with you well, well, this this is
1: this is why we uh we'll do this one and then in like uh, six nine months I'll throw you back on so we'll just we'll just pick up right where we left off. Yeah, we
2: still be uh, hosed up. Let me ask oh. you this before you go: What do you think? You think we're bound coming back with stand up? What's your honest assessment?
1: Yes, but it'll be a slow trickle, slow trickle.
2: Like,
1: I uh, do you, do you, with clubs, you mean they are all open and open all up. together, all together. Everything is going to be a slow trickle. I've got a corporate gig tonight, a live like person Mike Spienberg's doing a gig for me tonight in Austin, Texas for a corporate like it's a small gig, it's only like twelve people, but um still it's a live gig. So I, I think that you know it will slowly come back. Um the uh the strong will survive. There will be many that don't last. I mean, that's kind of you know, comedians won't be comedians anymore, club owners won't be club owners anymore, and it's unfortunate. So
2: we're sh- still trending downward.
1: Yeah, you don't
2: think I, I, we want to come back at all. You think we're still going down?
1: Yeah, I think there's too many uh, elements still. People still scared, and you I keep would, hearing the, the hot spots and the pop ups and the. I have dates in August, and I think
2: those would be valid. Um, I would love to be back in the swing of things in the fall, but I, I think realistically, 2021 is might be the move. It's like when. Yeah, we have some sort of bounce back. But
1: yeah. Well, I I just think it comes down to the uh, science and uh, if just some kind of uh, hope of uh, vaccination and such. I think that'll be the uh, a huge um, lift in spirits and hope. I guess and think fingers crossed. I mean, because this is sure. you know I, this is pretty much all I know. <laughs> I know.
2: Right?
1: I, I'm not good at anything else. I don't I think. other things that I don't want to make a living off of it. Right. Absolutely. Sure. Well, Kevin, Kevin, man, I love you, and I appreciate Thank you coming man. on yeah, here. And, and um, we'll uh, see you on the flip side. Anything else you want to plug?
2: No, nah, I mean, I got happy hour on my on YouTube, Kevin Boz, YouTube The Kevin Bozeman, where I uh, drink with my friends to catch up with them. And then, uh, you know, my podcast, The Ball Hog Podcast. And hopefully wherever your your peeps are that supporting this show can go to KevinBozeman.com, and hopefully I'll be live soon at a comedy stage near them
1: perfect and anybody out there listening needs a comedian summit you can follow us at, at summit comedy pretty much anywhere and uh now yeah, we're on
2: shave and color this beard if you need
1: <laughs> there you go kevin will adapt anything to your event and uh yeah we're on all the uh podcasts uh you know spotify uh pretty much all the platforms and such uh, we got there pretty quickly in the last week. So, so yeah, so uh, kudos to you, man. And um, stay safe and uh, tell the family hello and we'll see you on the flip side. All right, homie. All right, later.